start working very early on in your mm. life like what i mean is uh, you know it can be literally internship it can be literally like you go and like become a sales person for a company it can be doing tele calling it can be writing the first piece of code for building a like a like a simple app but just start to work in the real world earlier mm. because the more you delay it right you you get away from how the world functions Hello and welcome to Fixing the Bug powered by Code Quotient. A podcast where we talk about everything coding, be it the teaching methods and learnings, job opportunities and market trends, or business opportunities and building a company. We are in conversation with Alex Sanghira who is the co-founder of Farmart, which is India's first SaaS-led B2B food supply platform. Farmart is agri-tech company that enables agricultural retailers to serve farmers better by providing access to inputs advisory and market linkages their goal is to make food distribution equitable transparent and financially rewarding for the agribusiness community across the country and as far as i can see honestly rare few people venture into this world of agriculture to empower the farmers either directly or indirectly but talking to you alek how did this idea come up how the investment funds were acquired how the overall funding was taken care of we'll learn about all these things very steadily so first of all welcome to the podcast thank you shivangi uh, it's a absolute pleasure uh, to be on this uh, yeah i would love to share my journey and you know whatever learnings i've got along the way uh, that can help students or other you know tech professionals hmm. uh, kind of boost their careers so yeah super excited and thanks for having me um it's it's our pleasure and thank you for giving your time now talking about farmart how i want to know the conception of this how did you get the idea of starting farmart sure uh, i mean there's a very long story but uh, you know me and my co-founder who hmm. we went to the same boarding school actually matab uh, you know we known each other for 21 years uh, there was a inherent passion to always start a business uh, and when we were small like you know startup mm-hmm. was not a word to be honest uh, right. it was more like you know starting a core business or some some business uh, but you no know, all along the way we were very passionate about uh, just being our own bosses i think uh, mm-hmm. but what happened is that while we were doing consulting uh, in our early days uh, we kind of realized that uh, the first layer of companies like right, you know the olas the flipkarts of the world started to build around i think 2000 11 12 was mm. when the time and they just took off the ground and then like 15 14 15 16 is when like you know the first layer of like hyper funding mm. uh, and a lot of vcs are to enter the market so we 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 kind of saw in during that time that you know it's really possibility that you know without leaving the country you could actually you know make money do good and kind of build a business mm. here so i think uh, during those days uh, there were very few companies uh, who were kind of you know uh, building for bharat mm-hmm. and uh, what we kind of understood through our journey and through our experiences that that you know if you look at a sector which is kind of unsexy or people don't want to be in have a very long term view about disrupting it mm-hmm. uh, you could basically you know create a very massive company over a period of time and we took a very long term view to be honest uh, it's counter to a lot of entrepreneurs who want to jump in and kind of build a company within a year and like raise millions of dollars mm-hmm. and kind of you know build a huge company but we always took a very long term view of the market uh, you know who which are sectors which are very unsexy which are sectors which will have less competition which are sectors which will also like digitize very fast but also which will scale like you know multitude or there's a possibility of scaling uh, you know multitude levels uh, over a period of time so i think that was like the initial idea of of starting up in the food and ag space mm. 
you know, we all know it's one of the largest sectors, employment-wise, GDP-wise, as, as well as like it's a four five hundred billion dollar market, right? Mm. So the opportunity to build something huge in this space was always exciting, and because we also had a personal touch to the space, whereas you know my grandfather was a farmer, my dad was a farmer, mm. so we we always came from that background of Punjab boys and kind of understood the space very well because you know all our family or friends mm. were some generation of farmers, right? So because of a mixture of like just having a personal touch plus the market opportunity, we just thought it'd be exciting to start a company in in this space. Mm. So you first did your uh, like education, your graduation, then you worked for a while, and then you started working on the company, right? Yeah. So during this time, like, what were the challenges? Did you see in the agricultural sector that made you think, okay, I we can work upon this, and this would help a major amount of people? Yeah. So uh, if you see the agriculture space side right, or the food space, I would say. Um, mm-hmm. You don't need to kind of go and find challenges. They're just <laughs> every every nook and corner of of being a farmer uh, is like plagued with some kind of challenges. Whether it's access to exactly. machinery, whether because it's the, access to yeah. The complete picture that we have of being in the agriculture sector is a reflection of struggle for me. Like as per a person who sits in a city and does not know the roots would be seeing the agriculture sector as a place where there are just troubles. So how did you like narrow down and try to finding solutions to those problems? Like you were stating that there are problems in terms of getting the equipments and everything. I think it's twofold. One is we used to always look at macro numbers, right? Like uh, no business, very large business, actually. Like it depends, like, you know, you can be a small business who's doing really well, really mm-hmm. profitable. But if you want to build something very, very large, uh, you have to look at macro numbers. Like, you know, so the initial days, like, for example, when we started Uber for Tractor, we started looking at, you know, how many farmers, how many of them own mm-hmm. machinery, uh, you know, what kind of machinery they owned. And all these numbers are available in public data sources, right? So it's not like you have to kind of really do it mm-hmm. on ground. But if the macro story kind of checks out, right, is then you start to do, go into the micro. Like you go meet mm. farmers, um, live with them, experience their lives, and kind of then start to kind of build a thesis around the problem they are mm. facing. Uh, and, and I think that's kind of the first insight is like, don't try to rush after finding solutions because you're so desperate to start a company. Mm. Always look for like the problem because the problem has to be so deep that, you know, when a solution is coming up, uh, you can like, you know, have a very uh, tech oriented kind of uh, repeatability solution across the across the board for it. Right. So uh, it's, it's, a, it's a combination of macro and micro, like whenever you start a company. So I think I think that's how like we came into exception and we started to think about the space. Mm. So like you mentioned twice that people try to rush through things or sometimes it happens that you start a company and you're not able to pull through. Because you are with a motive that I can earn like millions of amount. Because also in today's day and age, we have unicorns which are functioning really well. So in such a scenario, how important it is to hold on to what your idea is and not rush after what makes the most money or what you think might make the most money. I think what's really important is uh, you have to have a very long-term view about things, right? Mm. So... So, so think about this, like, you know, if, if I had to make a, like, you know, house, mm. uh, I'd probably do it in a year, right? But if I have to make a castle, mm. it'll probably take me 10, 10 years, right? So the analogy I always give is like, it's very easy to build a house, but it's very, very hard to build a castle. Mm. And when you build a castle, you'll also have very tall walls, right? right. Uh, like boundary walls. Now, it's very hard for someone else to build another castle because your walls are so tall. They don't even, they can't even look inside. Mm. 
So always remember that you are starting up for the right reasons and money cannot be a reason at all. Basically, right. like when we started, honestly, like obviously you have to raise money to survive, mm. but it was never like that. If we don't raise money, we will like basically that there's the end of the road, right? Mm. You have to start for the right reasons. You have to be extremely, extremely mm. passionate about the problem you are solving because without that, the, it's just too hard. Like your bad days are so bad that you feel like you're torturing yourself. Are you going through this time, right? So, mm. and without having passion, without having a deep amount of emotion to the problem or the space you are working in, mm. there is just no way that you'll survive it. Either you will, so you start to doubt yourself. or you will start mm. having co-founder issues or you will start to basically just lose your patience or you will run out of money there are just a host of things that will go wrong if you are just not passionate about the space and you doing it for the right reasons hmm so i sense it that uh, the condition of giving up is rather easier because no doubt whenever you're running a business the risk is involved that it might go well or it might not go well it might not lead as per your expectations so in such a scenario how important it is to prepare your heart and your mind that it might go the other way uh, so see the point is this is a basic fact right like 90% of uh, you know startups don't survive the first year mm. you know 98% don't survive 3 years right so and like 95 99.9% actually don't survive 5 uh, years right so it's like it's a no brainer that like the value of death is is very very large uh, mm. however that cannot be a reason for you to like basically give up because i think the the reason is simple that the amount of life skills uh, understanding the amount of like struggle you face like all makes it worth mm. your time uh, because if you start a company right like think about it like when you enter a, a new company uh, maybe you're an entrepreneur you worked for on mm. something for 2 years obviously you worked really hard but didn't work out for whatever reason the market did not work your solution was too early you run out of funds when you go and tell that story to a person who's hiring uh, like the person has to be really really stupid or doesn't have to have the wisdom to identify that you are you are like one of a kind of person right, right. like when i am hiring or when the company is hiring like if there's a entrepreneur just the level of engagement with that person is very different because we love the hustle we love what mm. the person went through like you have to have empathy you have to have like really like strong guts to be able to go through that right so we like in my case like i would say the if you look at all hiring data in cross markets or across people like the people who actually started up or were early employees at a company would probably get hired in a percentage level much higher than other people who are just like basically like at a, at a different level or or were just applying for a job so so there just we don't realize it but there just too many upsides which are beyond your own journey as a as a startup entrepreneur so it's always amazing to kind of like start up for the for the reason that you will grow as a person and and professionally and, and personally hmm so we'll come to these aspects in uh, like in coming minutes but first i would want to ask you you told us ki 90% startups do not survive the first year and 98% do not survive the 3 years you have survived in this journey for more than 7 years how did that happen and how that journey had been i think it's twofold honestly uh, one is just pure perseverance and grit uh, and also just taking feedback really really well mm. uh, and second i think is more around uh, just being honest to ourselves to be honest uh, that you know mm. whether something is working out or not and you know you would we would work and improving on yourself i think the other reason which i would actually contribute for us to survive for for so long is that 
uh, we were just like we didn't we didn't know there's a plan b like we were like okay this is it mm. uh, either we kind of die on our shields or we basically you know uh, walk out of this thing but like the point is like the, there's no option to quit i never thought in my single time that you know how would we mm. survive or like what happened whether we had money or we didn't have money but the passion was just so deep and then obviously you learn skills around a lot of things mm. whether it's fundraising whether it's you know hiring whether it's building a product or a service so you just learn along the way i think those are the couple of reasons where which i feel like has really helped us kind of survive this mm. game so i went through your linkedin and therein i found this quotation that you had shared that winning is not everything it's the only thing <laughs> how close do you hold it to your heart now that i see that it's in your practice how can other people imbibe this behavior yeah so i think it's it's just a mentality to be honest uh, our coach used to say it in school uh, and that time you know it doesn't make a lot of sense but mm-hmm. i think 50% of battles are lost before you enter the court mm-hmm. right because you already have so many doubts about yourself whether you lose the other opponent is much bigger they have more money mm-hmm. you know they are much more faster so you already kind of give up somewhere and then you go out to the court and give a half half ass attempt to like doing something right like mm-hmm. and that fundamentally is flawed in terms of like your philosophy because if you don't want to do something with so much grit and perseverance and like passion mm. why do it at all right so from there what systems is like there is nothing that can take me down and the only person who can tell me i've lost is basically like myself mm. and and you know winning has very different meanings it for someone it can be starting a company and someone can be like surviving the entire like pandemic mm. right for someone it can be raising uh, the first round for someone it can be you know getting money from the first customer mm. so i think the definition of that winning changes along the way and every milestone has a different level of winning mm. but the mindset that be that i'm doing the right thing uh, and i'm going in the right direction and i'm winning along the way because a lot of small small wins like at the end amount to like a huge win right so the mindset should be like i'm like undefeatable like mm. i'm just no one can basically like defeat me except like i tell myself that okay today i'm like lost so i think it's just a mindset which i'm talking about more about through that quote uh, than anything else mm. so um like i understand that the building of that mindset is very important but there are times when we just feel shattered and like i i read something about farmart wherein i understood that the journey was not as smooth and it was very rough and how how did you two literally just come to terms with the fact that no matter the pandemic no matter the demonetization no matter what happens we would pull through and how much is the social support required in such a scenario because we see this if i am uh, opening my company and it's not succeeding for one year two year three year i would have my family and the society come and tell me are why are you doing this go find a job get a regular income why are you risking your life all of that and that makes sense too but how how would i just sustain and how can society change to help me sustain better i think it's it's twofold to be honest mm-hmm. uh, from taking q from our journey is like i think the social structure we had around us was just too strong right so mm-hmm. when i say social structures uh, i'm talking about our parents my that time girlfriend now my wife mm-hmm. uh, my friends who were never like that why are you doing this right mm-hmm. like they were always like ho jayega kar lega like you know don't worry we are there and i think more importantly it's also like i still remember so many times my parents would come to me and say that you know it's okay if it doesn't work out mm. and if it doesn't work out like we are there financially also and that doesn't mean like i've never taken a penny after i graduated from school like or from college right mm. from them but you know just hearing that 
kind of reinforces your faith in in yourself because by the end of it like we you know what we care about is all my friends are making x amount of money from a job and here am i you know spend 5 years of my life still at like no money like no no wealth creation no status in the society and and so on and so forth right so so i think you have to fight that a lot but the only people who can fight help you fight that is your social structure like your parents your partners mm-hmm. and also your your friends right and i think by the end of it like i started surrounding myself with people who who would be very encouraging of of what i did rather than like you know shaming in any way and because i just distanced myself to those people because i did not understand my journey mm. right so i think you meet a lot of kind of people it's just like who you want to be associated with and and sometimes honestly like i feel everyone does not have that privilege mm. it's very easy for me to sit here and kind of say that you know your parents would support everything you do mm. even though like my parents came from a you know they were in the army and they were they were not they were not business people right, right. but i think what you need to prove to even yourself and them is that you are incrementally growing mm. by incrementally growing i mean is like you know you're not like sitting for 2 years you don't have a single product you don't have a single customer and you just somehow are wishing that some investor will come and give you money and like your your life will change mm-hmm. right that's not going to happen let's be realistic about about things like that mm-hmm. if you show incremental growth like even if it's single day you're improving every day like you know and people will notice it like mm-hmm. it's not like people won't notice it and not support you so i think it's all about like just making sure that you are growing and with that growth like people also start to respect what you do mm-hmm. and then beyond that tough or good times like you know you just like have a great pe- group of people around you who support you throughout mm-hmm. so now moving on towards some technicalities of it uh, you just as mentioned ki we cannot just sit and hope that investors would come to us and the product would sell on its own so how do you get the investors on board it's a very tough process to make someone else believe in your dreams how do you do that having raised over 40 million dollars which is a big sum so i want to know how did that happen <laughs> yeah so i think uh, i'm just a very like sales person mm-hmm. uh, i'll talk to a lot of people uh, and right from the beginning from day zero like uh, you know whether i was fundraising or not fundraising i would just like obsessively talk mm-hmm. to people right and surprisingly like you know the, the counterintuitive thing is like investors only want to like talk to people who would like be great companies or so on forth right like if you think about it like investors are looking for great companies like that is their sole goal in mm-hmm. life like they have to do nothing else to do like except just find companies talk to entrepreneurs talk to your talk to young people advise them mm-hmm. right so and always when you go into the conversation just like be honest with them like just be like okay now i think i'm very early but i want to have a conversation to know about another company you invested in oh. and this is something similar to what we are doing but i want to know about your experience i can assure you like 99 people out of 100 people will respond and say okay let's kind of get on a call because they want to share they want to give back right that's that's the thing and who knows in that conversation you are the next like steve jobs mm-hmm. or you are the next person who build builds like the next company right because they're just looking for similar people but if you go into the company like trying to fake that you know you've already had a great product mm-hmm. like you have all the customers you know they talk to 100 companies a week right so for them it's like okay this guy is or this girl is bullshitting and this is all bullshit like why am i even talking to her but i think you have to go it in a very collaborative honest kind of conversation and then along the way mm-hmm. what investors start to care about is is this person incrementally or exponentially growing in terms of their product is getting better mm-hmm. or how is it like it's it's counter no investor writes a check in first conversation like let me to be be honest with you no one comes along and be like okay i'm going to write you a million dollar check mm. all my early investments it took me about, almost 18 to 24 months to just to get to know the person have 10 conversations after the 10th conversation i would like start presenting 
the person gets involved like you know they the investor left to get involved and like help you through your journey so it's to do with a lot of those smaller smaller things and continuous interaction that you become a better entrepreneur your product gets better and they see that growth and journey right mm. when they see that over a period of time they're like okay this person is very passionate this person is dedicated and this person might actually do something mm. so it's a combination of these four five things that lead for a great outcome uh, which is called a fundraise right mm. but overall it's not going to it's not going to be a miraculous overnight kind of a journey for some people it might be but for some, most people it won't be right i think the problem is with the narration we build around in the general terms we show only the happier sides of the stories we do not go about the struggle that it took 18 to 24 months to convert a conversation into something potential but while you were having this conversation with potential uh, like investors what what myths do you encounter around farmers or the agricultural industry yeah so i think the 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 myths i kind of care about is like you know they're completely not digital uh, you know you can't build a scale company uh, most of them are you know not really literate so i think all of these myths were initially and some parts is also true mm-hmm. but like the the world is changing very fast right so they also recognize it right and honestly like what they care about by the end of it is like you know can you build a very tech led a uh, scalable solution which people are ready to pay for mm. uh, sometimes the companies forget like the third part which is like people are ready to pay for but rest of the thing is they care about scale they care about distribution they care about people people are basically farmers or customers and they care about like monetization right so if you can clearly like define these three three four things that your product is very useful mm. people are using it more regularly and you are also able to make people pay for it mm. you know is the kind of exact answer what a fundraise would or an investor would look for it's as simple as that it's not very complicated but like you know obviously the more complicated part is reaching out to investors talking to them mm. getting feedback you know ten more other things so i think that is where a lot of the people lose their battle i don't know i'll get so nervous mm. like how what will i tell the person it's just like it's, it's okay if the person is a human being they just have to have a conversation with the person if they like you great if they don't like that's their problem it's not yours right so so i think it's it's a lot of that fear that that starts to like i used to have it mm. but now it's get got better with it right we need to work upon it like i would say saying this that we need to tell ourselves is this just a conversation if they don't like me big deal but when you go there and you face rejection and you come back and you start doubting yourself like i have been in those situations so <laughs> for me it was very tough to even today i don't think i've come through quite well to hona hi hai na mai to wo to hona hi hai like the point is see most of the people in life like especially today generation the problem is like your parents tell you you're special then mm. you go to a school the school teachers tell you you're special mm. then you leave that then you basically go to a college the college people all your friends tell you you're special mm. and then suddenly you step out in this world and you realize hell no i am not special like you know <laughs> so so the point is like the point is you 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 are lied to your all your life uh, i think mm. fundamentally and then when the reality hits you don't have the courage or the social system or the uh, eq to kind of understand right hmm. so i think i think there's there's obviously most of them are structural societal issues mm-hmm. uh, of the world but i think like i said just surround yourself with people like if if someone reaches out to me on linkedin hmm. whether it's a student whether it's a person whether it's saying i make it a point to either get on a call with them for even 15 minutes or basically write back to them saying that this is what i think right oh. So the the thing is like there are enough people out there who are like just like just want to kind of help mm. you. But the the issue is there are not enough people who want to reach out and ask for help. Right. So I think there's a there's a dichotomy that is is prevalent in a society where it feels like oh if I if I reach out and this person doesn't reply then what? Mm. 
it's fine that if you reach out to 100 people 10 people will reply right. right like 10 is enough for before that you are at zero right so i think there's just like some people need to understand that and if you understand that you actually like do much more ஒன்னும்ப Yeah, and, and most of the time we aren't special, right? So let's not lie to ourselves. You know, we are special. So, so the point is, you have to make yourself special by like going through it, right? Mm. So, so <laughs> cash or into situation, to be honest. So now that we're talking about being special or not being special, to become special and uh, to stand out from the crowd. what all do you think a person can do it's not in the terms of uh, entrepreneurship or being a candidate but the soft skills that would make a person the different one yeah so i think uh, it's very simple right like the point is there are three or four things you need to do like first is like start working very early on in your mm-hmm. life like what i mean is uh, you know it can be literally internship it can be literally like you go and like become a sales person for a company mm-hmm. it can be doing tele calling it can be writing the first piece of code for building a like a like a simple app but just start to work in the real world earlier mm-hmm. because the more you delay it right you you get away from how the world functions and and in colleges and schools like i don't know a single like course which i did with which taught me how the world functions mm-hmm. right like or how money functions or like how people function right. right so i think what what we are taught and what is actually the reality is very far off and i've noticed generally a trend in some of the most successful people i've seen that they all start to like hustle very early on in their mm-hmm. life and when they learn that they would learn skills which are sales which are talking to people which are like understanding problems mm-hmm. which are like solving problems so i think you just kind of end up doing a lot more or learning a lot more when you start to work very early mm-hmm. on i think number one is that second is you need to also know like what you are passionate and good at so for example if i'm like if i love people like what role should i be doing courses should i be doing which are like helping me do that if you're great at coding like how do i basically uh, you know look for companies which will give me that opportunity very early on or you know how do i atta- attend more hackathons mm. how do i attach more things like so it just like continuous hustle mm. to be able to understand who what you're good at and once you identify that field that like market or that that space where you are really passionate about something and you enjoy doing mm. it is then you just like go all out like whether it's joining companies in that early stage which are doing this or some large corporates or it's like you know building a small prototype for yourself and to test or just to have fun like you know you, you can just do a lot mm-hmm. of that so it's i think it's a three step journey first is like i said that you start to work very early second is identify what you passionate what you excited about and third is just like go after it then right. like, there are three things which i'll say which are like really good mm-hmm. Now that you have said these things, I would share a very small incident that was funny to me back then, and still funny. I was seventeen years old, and yeah. I had applied for a job. I was called for the interview, and when I reached there, the person was like, "Oh, you're seventeen. We can't hire you." <laughs> yeah, yeah. I was like, "Why did you call me then?" <laughs> that's 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 true, but uh, that's bad on the part of the company that you couldn't get hired. But but I would say like, you know, that's great that like you reached out and you wanted to do this, right? Because yeah. Uh, that's half the battle one to be honest it doesn't matter if you print paper like i tell you like i tell people like it doesn't matter if you go in office you're a you're a person who picks up paper from someone's desk prints mm-hmm. it and gets it back 
but imagine what you're gaining out of that first you're in the workspace of really smart people mm. second is the person who you're printing for this course person is going to come and have a conversation with you mm. now in that conversation you're going to learn something when you learn something you're consciously like oh should i start to search about this topic mm. and now you start to search about topic then this person is seeing you every day in office for 3 months mm. i can bet you like the fourth month the person will come and say hey like what do you do where do you come from do you want to get a job do you want to, how can i help so mm. you know, it's actually just it's very small things that people miss out like when we hire people like most of the problems i have is like oh today i am i am a tele caller mm. it doesn't matter today you are the tele caller if i see you doing tele calls like amazingly well do you think i am stupid enough to not tell you to like sales or like head my sales team mm. like it's not the journey where you start from it's where you think you can go right. into that company right you have to just get the foot in the door and once you get a foot in the door people will notice your hard work people will notice your passion people will understand how good you are at your job right. so most of the people get it wrong there only right that is where everyone feels hmm. makes sense so but now that you're telling about this small example has there been any candidate or an employee from whom you have learned a lot yeah so i mean i honestly learn a lot from everyone i work with uh, i'm obsessed about learning from people mm. uh, and this is just not a metaphor but uh, you know i always try to like have conversations and mm. when i have conversation like i literally talk to them about okay what's happening in the field like you know what are you seeing what are you hearing mm. what are the customers saying because you can never be that close to your customer how much that that person is right so right. so i've just learned that you just have to be very very open to listening and also listening to their problems and identifying like where they are facing challenges and how you can help them basically and when you do that like it's just a insane amount of like continuously learning experience hmm. so uh, like we we have been talking about the candidates and we have talked about the problems of finding a good investor and generally how we can start with the startup and everything but it's very weird that from 2016 onwards the life had not been very consistent so there was demonetization then there was covid and even today we have the fear of covid living through all of that what changes have you seen in the course of these troublesome times in the general market in terms of um, like the economy and in terms of hiring the candidates and seeing the behavior of the people change through the time yeah so honestly last two and a half years has been a very tough time for Uh, most of the people mm. right like let me just acknowledge that uh, it's not been easy we we you know stayed away from our close ones uh, we've stayed away from our colleagues we stayed away from even our education if you think about it like mm. most of people who are graduating today probably would have even entered the premise of a college right a lot of the learning happened in that right. in that honestly it's been a very very challenging and a hard time however mm. what my fundamental belief is like as humans we are one of the most innovative species on earth mm. like it took us month or two maximum two months to figure out like how the new world starts to function mm. it took companies which were there for 70 years probably like three weeks to figure out new protocols right it took startups like within few days and weeks to take decisions that would change the world right like mm. in terms of like how they want to function so i think the new norm is going to stay like hybrid mm. i think So I think you cannot replace a physical experience for for anything, whether it's education, mm. whether it's work culture, or whether it's healthcare or anything. Mm. You cannot replace it completely, 
but what is going to be normalized is you know just having an extremely hybrid culture mm-hmm. like in our in our in our office like we actually probably most of people come 3 days a week or 4 days a week or they don't come every day mm-hmm. and we are okay with it in most locations where where we are operating in basically we have a like unlimited leave policy because we understand people like sometimes want to take longer times off because they are also working with longer times during while they are at home mm-hmm. so i think that is going to stay and because of that there will be a very like a lot of new opportunities because if you're not restricted by the location of how you want to operate mm. you can be sitting in any village in this country and being as phenomenal as anyone else in this in this space right so so i think that is going to stay for sure mm-hmm. and also this acceleration to digital uh, is is kind of go like multifold right Hmm. small stores to big stores large companies to small companies everyone's going to like start thinking very digitally because hey what is what if another covid wave hits what hmm. if another pandemic hits us like so there's a psychological shift in the mindset of people and individuals that is is huge and it will be like unreplaceable hmm. but like you were just telling that the companies are becoming hybrid and a bit more flexible i think that might be the case with the IT companies but recently i have noticed that the companies are still very strict like i've gotten in conversation with a few friends of mine who had been applying for jobs in different uh, sectors they they are being asked to work 6 days a week from office and for at least 10 hours so in such a scenario when you know that the company is not good for your mental health what as a candidate should i be actually compromising with and not compromising with so see uh, there are two schools of thought right like if you're working 6 days a week 10 hours a day i honestly don't think that's a mm. bad thing like a lot of people might say that that it's a bad thing okay. but it depends on where you are in your journey mm. of your life right uh, if you've just graduated mm. right you have you you kind of finding your first footsteps in in the professional world mm. like i feel for the first 5 to 7 years or 10 years you should be grinding your your ass off mm. like 60 days or 70 days a week spine hours a day i understand this is very counterintuitive but the point is how do you think like when you go and lead a team or start a company mm. you are going to understand the ethics of hard work and like like agility and like you know perseverance and like a lot of those things mm. because you haven't done it right because you haven't done it like you will look for people who are like slackers and who will not have that level of like professional commitment towards it but obviously after 5 years or 6 years mm. if you are still in the same role you're not growing you don't see the growth in the product in the company mm. that is a, that's a decision which you took and you are completely wrong about the company you you were sticking with mm. right so so my thesis is very simple that initially if you don't work your uh, ass off you don't build a culture for yourself and this culture is about just being dedicated extremely hard working person who who will get the get the get the shit done right mm-hmm. and then when you know that okay i've i've learned this ethic i've learned this skill set i've learned from you then you start looking for roles which will like suit yourself more let's say if you want to get married you need more time at home that's fine because companies you will start looking for companies that will give you more time work but they will give it on that base that this person is too good because five years every reference everything has come through like amazingly well yeah. so i think it's a lot to do with just the context of things uh, more than anything else but over like 10 hours a day for let's say 20 years or 10 years or 15 years might be obviously too much mm. right it's, it's not going to help you in your life so so i think it's just the stage of where you are in your company but out of college leave on 10 hours you should be working 12 hours to be honest <laughs> but so. uh, in today's scenario people are very much aware about the health and the work life balance so everything needs to fall into this comfort 
wherein they are able to enjoy their life and work hard so i also find myself telling my friends ki are why are you working for 24/7 i have a friend who takes meetings at 2 in the morning at 5 in the morning and then again at 8 am so i always tell that's unhealthy okay that 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 unhealthy so I, i'm not saying <laughs> that uh, obviously you have to have professional hmm. boundaries ha huh. i wanted to clear that up because the way you had put it i also started questioning whether i am <laughs> like doing wrong to my friend by telling him not to work so hard no, okay see that is that is that intruding into your personal life mm. you say 10 hours 10 hours is like actually not that much right you go to office at 9 mm. and 10 hours finish like at 6 pm mm-hmm, right mm-hmm. so if you actually work really well like 10 hours is a long period of time now if you're working 20 hours a day like in under unless you're like a investment banker or like the markets go you have to open three markets mm. at the same time like there is obviously is, is something different but it's all about like like i said perspective so that's where i come mm. from so i have another question like this which is very based on my experience of life i understand you're not the hiring manager you're the founder yet when it's a no for the application why is the candidate not informed does this happen when you reach out to investors as well that they don't respond only see there are all sorts of people right like obviously there are investors who don't respond who would ignore but you know it's a simple rule of like life that people don't like to say no to mm. people right you know they just want to avoid that difficult conversation mm. and it is completely wrong to be honest yeah. i feel like like we have a policy in the company that we actually write back and call every person who we interviewed and gone through the process of rejection to give them their feedback on what happened and whether the role was different mm. or the expectation was different or your 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 skill set is different and so on and so forth because that creates a level of trust uh, that creates a level of feedback loop that creates a level of goodwill mm. and also helps the candidate understand whether they, the feedback they want to take or not is there there's their call mm. but like it has candidate in some where i went wrong mm-hmm. i think more companies are doing it i don't know if everyone is doing it but it's very person driven but like at our company it's a dna level mm. but enough investors also in my life have given me feedback oh. who have continuously called me who have actually like guided me through it right mm. so so there are, again all kind of people the percentage is very very less mm. like i said it might be 5% but it is still there but like i said i completely agree to you should happen more people should be more out there they should give more feedback mm. they should respond because that's what is the right thing to do would you be comfortable in sharing one of the feedbacks that really helped you grow yeah so i remember talking to this one investor and the person was like uh, alek you are literally wasting your time like you build this for the farmers it will not work mm. the npa will be like very high uh, you know you will not be able to uh, scale the business up very fast blah blah, blah. Mm. and i went back and started to think about the business and i thought about the business i was like person is absolutely true mm. he knows what he's saying and then i basically like we actually started to make the pivot based on his feedback uh, on on the business and then we went back to him after 3 months mm. changed the entire thing and had a different narrative you like okay now you're in the right path now this makes sense mm. right so so the point is like like i said there are two things getting feedback is one thing but how open you are about to get that feedback and improve is another thing mm. right makes sense so um i would want a general view from your perspective that if a student is studying computer engineering and wants to explore entrepreneurship what initial steps do you suggest for them to give it a head start uh so basically i think my two bits to them would be like you know like get more passionate about the space right mm. uh, like i said get involved and get experience uh, you know work at a company start your 
own small project you know which is exciting talk to customers mm. work or intern at places and then like what the person should be obsessed about is finding a problem which is actually a problem which many people are facing mm-hmm. right uh, but until then like don't stop at something like because mujhe let's say delivery ab 10 minute nahi 5 minute mein chahiye to main ab 5 minute ki delivery app banana shuru kar dunga right mm. so so the thing is like the problem has to be very real the problem has to be very fundamental to a mm. user uh, and their experience of life and then once you find it and find a space which is your passion yeah. it can be education healthcare art, uh, artificial intelligence can be robotics but something which you can spend mm. like you said your friend right you look at your friend and be like why are you taking calls at 2 am at 8 am like that is the kind of people who will become entrepreneurs the person will take a call at 2 am and again get up at 6 am because is they are so passionate they don't even know whether this is work or like this is play mm. so so you can only and only do that if you're obsessed and love like that space of operation like where you're doing mm. so you identified the problems not the problems but like things that can be worked upon in the agritech industry at present you're working on them as well for the future like in the next 10 years what kind of developments do you think that might happen and what are the problems that should be found a solution to in the coming years see in the future i think uh, in the, at least in the agri space right uh, what we see that there are going to be a bunch of things there will be food traceability which will come in, in a big way mm-hmm. so you know people are getting sick people are people want, want to know what they are consuming where they consuming from how fresh it is mm-hmm. so traceability is going to be a huge angle to the business second is you know how do you grow high yield crops with less amount of water right i think that is is going to be a huge uh, play huge space because water just as a resource is going to get scarce mm-hmm. we are going through severe severe level of global warming and, and stuff like that mm-hmm. the third is just the amount of labor it is going to reduce so mechanization or tools for mechanization which are low cost you know more affordable is going to be huge so i said so these are two or three spaces i feel that's going to be huge in the next mm-hmm. like 10 years okay so this was about the agri industry talking about farmart what is your current vision and how are you going to turn it into reality yeah so uh, at farmart you know we basically uh, are trying to build the largest uh, you know software led uh, food supply platform that enables large customers consumers exporters mm. to source high quality produce uh, close to the farm gate right and our vision is pretty simple like you know can we help Uh, the farmers get access to markets mm-hmm. uh, get them paid on time at the same time you know build a very traceable value chain where the end consumers can actually identify you know what food is consumed from from where right so the vision is very very clear in terms of where we want to be mm-hmm. uh, now you know it's just about doubling down on the model and you know how we can leverage our data uh, and product to be able to do it you know at scale okay now that we have like talked about everything i am short of questions to follow <laughs> so we would be wrapping up the conversation in a while but before that i would want to know like you're telling that you prefer people who work hard and you prefer people who are ready to give long times of work to their organization so you also must be working really hard 15 hours a day i think you would spend at least <laughs> that amount of time despite of all this pressure and the hard work how do you unwind yeah so uh, you know honestly you have to unwind unwind because your brain gets really fuzzy uh, so what i do is you know i like play golf or i play football mm-hmm. or at least i try to work out four times a, a week in the evenings right okay uh, and then basically like 
on the weekends i hang out with my friends and like my family mm-hmm. i think those are the things which like you know make you understand what's actually also important in life uh, you know we've actually spent 15 minutes of our conversation talking about startups and like how you want to build this company mm-hmm. and so on and so forth but what i feel is like you have to spend uh, enough time out of li- like this life because that's what matters your friends matter your family matters your partners matter mm-hmm. because they are the one who's going to actually spend most of the time or with you and like you know be there when when you are not well or things like that because that's where you actually feel the most happiest mm. building a company is 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 like your child uh, one one day this child is going to grow up and like the child is going to outgrow yourself mm. and then you have to like look back and be like shit man what do i do now so i think it's a it's it's a, it's a journey with the company but it you have to have a life outside otherwise without that uh, you know you're not the person or you're not the quality of uh, the human being you should be mm. and now that you just said that the company might grow and then you look back and you're like oh what do i do now so do you happen to have any new idea for another startup or something yeah i mean there are just too many ideas to share in, mm. a, in a single call but like you know like i said anything around mechanization anything mm. around um, you know traceability anything around uh, you know water resistant mm. props you can just do so much like otherwise you know every market every thing there are like thousand problems india is a in the country full of problems yeah. like you you just have to look on the left and uh, there's a problem right but you know just like how what you feel passionate about is the important part hmm. this question might sound a bit strange but are you happy alek yes i am i think extremely happy right now uh, in in the current phase of my life to be honest hmm. i have the companies that would uh, you know do really well uh, We've hired a bunch of people. We continue to grow. Uh, we have enough money in the bank. Mm. Uh, just got married four months ago. Congratulations! Uh, and and yeah, touch wood. My parents are doing well, and my family is doing well. So I think mm. o- overall, I'm a, I'm a happy human being. Uh, not every day, but on the overall sense of it, yes, extremely happy. That's the most important <laughs> thing. So before yeah. we wind up, quick, quick three questions. So who is your favorite CEO, and whom do you follow and look up to? Yeah, so I think the two the two people I look at one is in the international mm. market, right? So I look at Sundar Sundar Pichai as as one of the most phenomenal CEOs mm. which our generation has ever had. A super innovative early stage employee, you know, took the company mm. to great heights and now you know taking Alphabet to the next heights. So I think he's a great operator. Mm. He's very quiet, so which is also amazing because you don't get to see you know what all crazy things he are doing. But like super super impressive guy. Mm. Uh, the other the other person I say is like Ashish Mohapatra. I don't know if you he's actually an investor also from our business. Uh, I think super operator, uh, very realist, mm. knows you know what the market wants and what customers want. Uh, those are two people I really really look up to. And like uh, Ashish, I'm in touch with. Similar, obviously, I can't I haven't spoken to him yet yet. But reach out to him via LinkedIn. He would reply. <laughs> don't worry. Absolutely, I think I think that's what I'm going to do. Yeah. So, do you read what's your favorite book? Uh, so, actually, my the one two favorite book is actually it's called True Name. So, mm-hmm. it's uh, it's by written by Osho. Uh, I try to read it. It's a it's an interpretation of the Japanese song uh, in English. Uh, so, it it's a very spiritual uh, plus life lesson book which I really mm-hmm. enjoy and highly recommend it. It's amazing. Everyone should read. I would certainly look up for it. Which one's your favorite movie? I think there are two movies. Jai always like Zindagi Na Mile Dobara and Far Is Gone. I think those are two movies like uh, I can like watch a thousand times and not get bored. Yeah, golf I do not have a lot of knowledge of, but <laughs> football. Who's your favorite player? Messi or Ronaldo? No, actually, my favorite, most favorite player was Frank Lampard from Chelsea. Ah. Nowadays, I I am like thinking of who my favorite player is, but like after that, I haven't had a like a very serious favorite. Player. But but I think like, Frank mm. Lampard was my all-time favorite. All right, so I think we should wrap this conversation now. 
it was a very fun yet insightful conversation and do you before we leave do you have anything to say any words of wisdom any advice for the listeners no it's just a uh, please reach out to me my email is alekatripharma.co you can reach out to me at linkedin uh, i don't have any specific words of wisdom you have 15 minutes of the podcast to listen to uh, and if you you know if you do write to me if you like it or you know if you have any uh, suggestions yeah would would love to kind of uh, you know be in touch so thank you for joining the conversation it was great talking to you thank you shami that was it was an absolute pleasure so that's about it i hope you had a good infotaining experience in this conversation just as much as i did and if you have any query question suggestion for us drop them at www.codequotient.com that's all for today we'll meet again soon till then keep coding keep learning and keep fixing the bugs fixing fixing the bugs powered by code quotient Fixing. Fixing the bug. Powered by Code Quotient.